welcome back to another week of the DP World Tour Picks and Bets. Skylar Hoke here. Tom Jacobs. An interesting week last week on the DP World Tour. It's a little tough to face the music right away after. Gosh, Callum Shakelin was, was excellent. He deserved that win. We had a long, long talk about that outright number last week. Does, does it take it on the chin a little bit to you? How do you feel? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, look, uh, Jason was on the podcast on, on Lost Words sort of saying that you kind of just have to take number and live with it. And I just said, no, like, I'm just not going to do that with Callum Shinkwin. Um, I, I, pr- I can probably stand by that decision. Like, he played the best golf he's ever played in his career. Uh, to do that, he still made a few mistakes. And I think just the fact that the people around him weren't uh, keeping up with him probably helped. I think if the kind of leaders kind of, or the contenders kind of put a bit more pressure on him then maybe he may have faltered a little bit that's not to take anything away like I think I think he was brilliant um I just I have no problems not going to in 20 to 1 like I, I don't think he's going to be short than 20 to 1 on his next start um I think you know I think that comes into play so had he been 20 to 1 this week I'd have been all over him because 20 to 1 this week seems to be like uh well we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute but there's uh there's some ridiculous numbers down there and uh yeah it, it's tough and I mean it's three seconds in a row now isn't it um Luckily, it wasn't by one shot this time. So we had Waring losing by one shot, Pepper losing by one shot, and then Seam losing by a few. So uh, it wasn't too bad this time. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's, we're on the right track, Sky, I think. You know, I think we're doing the right things. Waring was right up there for you as well. Um, just just don't seem to be able to get that kind of first place. Yeah, and, and I guess a consistency of being around the leaderboard. And that's kind of what we have done the last couple of years. I don't think it's always an easy way to say, and even in the game of golf, if you win just because you won an event, doesn't mean, you know, you are the best golfer, perhaps, you know, if you have a consistent ability to, to show, you know, some, some success around being in the mix, whether or not the Sunday goes your way, you know, that's, it's really out of your control. But are we, we saying we're the Tony strong? Are we the Tony female well, of golf betting? I mean, if we can get back-to-back wins here, um, then then yeah, I think, I, I'm in. I think that's what's happening. I think, you know, we're consistently out there. We're kind of top 20, 30 in the world, uh, hopefully higher than that in golf podcast terms. Um, and uh, I think we just need to convert them into victories, right? I think that the, the consistency number, like all joking aside, like getting the right people inside the top five or top 10 consistently every week is a huge skill. And that's not to make excuses for the fact that we haven't got the winners over the last two or three weeks, but I think... Getting someone right over 72 holes, especially when it comes down to one or two shots, is, is incredibly difficult. Um, so I think all, all power to the people that are going two, three, four, you know, results in a row. Um, we'll just keep plodding on. I think they'll come and and like Tony Fina has, we'll, uh, we'll get back to bet wins. 100%. Yeah, the breakthroughs happen. And I come into this week a little a little more inspired than usual. And it's, it's not from the DP World Tour. It's really from what we saw on the PGA Tour yesterday. That... Ju Young Kim, Tom Kim, winning like he did, and just the evolution of the talent that he has shown since he was 15 years old, and just getting to see like that. These are the guys, and, and Tom Kim is as good of a talent as you're ever going to see coming up. That's not to say every time I pick somebody at a thousand to one, they are Tom Kim, but the the type of trajectory and being early and seeing it validated and going through and having it all happen on fast forward, like it did for Tom Kim over the last six weeks. Like that, that is why I bet golf, man. That is, that is why I am intrigued on it. That is why I think 
the research and the time spending is is so cool and so so neat when it when it feels like you did something when you see that success almost like that so that that was a really cool sunday for me watching him do what he did i, I agree with that and i think it's one of those ones where like again you you, you start with him well done and, and a lot of people were on him so that was good he was another one a bit like shinquin like everything was in your face like and you yeah. just have to you know take the number or not and you know, I kind of tried to make excuses that his five or six events in a row is going to be too much, and it wasn't. I mean, when he made a quad on the first hole of the week, maybe you think you think you're, you've made the right decision, but uh, he was awesome, and it, and it was great to see. I mean, as someone that had Taylor Moore in the, in the kind of running, I kind of thought, oh, you know, this is this is a tough watch, like him just consistently birdie, 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 and then eventually you just start to enjoy it, uh, and he was great. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, fun week overall, um, and we dip into. A week of opportunity. Um, I, I think this is the best way you classify a field you've, like we have here this coming week. So, you know, we are going to be in Northern Ireland this week for the ISPS Honda World Invitational. Um, going back to Galgorm Castle. Last time we saw this, somebody did change kind of their golf trajectory at the time. Um, it hasn't paid off this past year, but Daniel Gavins was the winner last time. We did see that course believe at the time, full-time challenge tour player, right? You know, getting kind of some yep. spot starts when the stretch of golf, um, you know, wasn't really uh, that full of top class DP world tour players. And we're seeing that that same exact um, kind of rollout of a field this week. You mentioned the numbers off the top. You kind of mentioned, you know, the kind of thing we're looking at. We only have eight winners of DP world tour events over the last two seasons in the field this week. Um, let's just talk about it before we go individual players wise course kind of breakdown or thoughts kind of on way you are approaching this week. So it's one of those ones where like, I've actually stripped it back an awful lot. And, and this is, this is going to sound like a little bit lazy, but like it, I've almost just gone a little bit more basic, just who's playing the best golf, who's hitting the, the irons, the West, um, and, and just trying to just believe in that. Cause I did an awful lot of course correlations before. And a lot of people that listen to this know, that you've always passed that over to me to, to kind of mention. And we, we kind of get caught up in it a little bit and I've tried not to. So in terms of it, just looking at this at a Parkland test, uh, one that's a little bit different to kind of what we've seen over the past few weeks. Uh, nice break really from, from what we've had, I think. And, you know, I like Lynx golf, I like Lynx style golf, but I think here you're going to get kind of a bit more point and shoot that the best iron and driver players are going to be rewarded. Um, and I think there should be some decent scores. And we are going to a course that has seen not just Gavin's win, John Catlin win, but it has been played frequently on the Challenge Tour, too. Yeah. So we're going to mention some course history from a few golfers, I'm sure, this week who have played it uh, a good amount of times, um, either on the Challenge Tour or on the DP World Tour. Um, as we get into the top of the odds leaderboard, want to make sure uh, we kind of look for our support from you guys. We appreciate always the, the weekly listens. If you are an audio listener, you can find us daily fantasy sports picks and bets, the mix, uh, any of your audio platforms, rate, review, subscribe, YouTube, Mayo Media Network goes a long way. Um, again, we're kind of hitting the stretch run of the DP World Tour as we lead into some of our bigger events coming uh, September, October wise, of course, football off pat is in full swing with jeff getting everything up and running on the mayo media network um so just an exciting time to keep uh kind of the support from you guys and we appreciate it as always with that being said tom i'm just going to let you lead off with your first selection here we've seen callum shankwin win at 21 we've seen richie ramsey win at 25 to 1 is there anything more poetic to repeat after those weeks 
than Connor seem winning in the low 20s this week. I think, do you know, it's just one of those where, like, I think I have to do it. Like, I'm just thinking back to kind of, like, recent winners. And you look at how Tong Lee, he was he was... He was off the back of an 18th place finish to start before. Adrian Moronk had been going close, you know, all the way along. Uh, then you had the kind of Xander Shoffley's Cameron Smith winners. Uh, Richie Ramsey had finished, well, he nearly won the British Masters earlier in the season. Sean Crocker had been showing life in the last two or three weeks. Callum Shinkwin had been one of the best ball strikers in, in recent weeks. So it's very much gone to form and it hasn't been one of those ones where we've always kind of try to catch people on good golf courses, try to make links, etc. And I think sometimes it's just right in front of you. Uh, and Connor Seam kind of makes that profile for me this week. So you look at the fact that he's played here three times, once on the Challenge Tour, he finished inside the top 10. He was um, basically inside the top 10 all week. I think it was 13th after Saturday. Uh, and then he finished 32nd last year, which isn't, you know, great, but it was good enough. And you just look at, you know, the way that he's hitting the ball, it's pretty, really good. Um, you know, what more do we want to see? Like, he's been 10th, 12th, and 3rd in T's grade last three, 6th, 9th, and 24th in strokes going approach. So, just hitting the ball really, really well. Are there concerns that it's going to be a bit of a hangover from last week? I don't think so, because I think that he he gave it a really good go um, on the Sunday. Like, one thing I can definitely say over the last three weeks is my guys have given it a go on the Sunday, and, and the scene really did. You know, he closed that really well. If Shinkwin made any mistakes down the stretch, he'd have had a chance to take uh, take control. So uh, really, really good. Just hitting the ball well. Um, looks like a decent golf course for him. Has been in the past. So let's go with Connor Seam again. Yeah, completely understand um, going there. I have a, a really backloaded card where I thought he could take a stab up here definitely, and he would be the, the one for me um, overall that I think makes – it just fits the bill of kind of what we've seen. And somebody we've given a hard time not getting over the line in the past. Yeah. has been in those situations. But I do feel that Sunday, yesterday, felt different. Um, and, and realistically, there was um, – I mean, for him, what, he had a triple bogey, was it, on, on Friday, right? Like he did, yeah. early on. Like, Paul Ware – like, if you look back on the selections, there really was just like nine-hole stretches for some of the guys. Like, Waring, Schmidt, Pepperell, all like – we're on that front page of the leaderboard when, when seemingly I'd written them off at some point in the tournament. And if Shinkwin would have fallen back, I absolutely think we had chances to pounce on there. So, um, yes, I figured we had, before we even went player by player, I want to talk about Connor Seam off the top. I do want to make sure we talk about the event too, now that I think about it, um, because this is two events simultaneously happening, um, on, on one course. So we have the LPGA LET also this week, um, at Galgorm. So you're going to see three, I guess, two separate ties or cuts. I mean, top 60 is going to get cut down after Friday's round. And then top 35 is going to get cut down after Saturday's round. So you'll have 70 golfers competing on Sunday, but it is not a like co-sanctioned type event with like we saw with Lynn Grant had won um, at, at the uh, Scandinavian mix, but there are simultaneously two events happening on the same golf course. Um, I just wanted to make sure uh, we talked about that because last year they did the same thing um, when, when Gavin won. Gavin's won, I think, uh, oh, I, I can never pronounce her name, but Pajari Ananana Rukarn. It's, I, I never hey, know how to pronounce I mean, it. It's terrible. That, that's not right, but I'm not even going to try it's, and correct you. because I, I don't <laughs> think it's that wrong, honestly, but uh, – but, <laughs> But she, I believe, won on the, on the LPGA side last year when they, when they had this. So, um, 
but we, we, we go, I guess, do you have any other interest up here of golfers? What Jordan Smith, clear favorite Catlin's up here a little bit so as well. If Jordan Smith can't win this event, then he might as well hand his tour card back in. It's basically <laughs> been my line uh, in direct messages today. Um, and I, I honestly believe that. Like, if he doesn't win this week, then I don't know. And, and maybe that should mean I should be betting him, but I just can't, can't bet Jordan Smith that, you know, basically single digits. So uh, John Catlin was the other one for me that I, I kind of have thought about betting and still considering doing it. I mean, it's just, he's not in as good a form as seen. Like, and I know he's got the course form in terms of the first and seventh for the golf course, but he's just been pretty naff on and off and really hard to get right. He was thought he was fourth at the Irish Open, which is really good. Um, and his, his numbers, I think, pretty good considering the rest of the field, but um, definitely seem much stronger than John Cattell. He seems like one of those guys to me where I guess we say that about Shinkwin last week, like where when the number's longer, it's more intriguing because they could turn up in any event. And, and really win. And I kind of have that belief of Catlin based off of his success um, and, and doing it multiple times. But yeah, uh, a little short there. I mean, you get Ewan Ferguson coming off, um, you know, uh, a decent stretch of golf, Beerman, Richard Manzel at 22 to one. That one's a tough one to really swallow. Dan Torp, you know, Dan Torp definitely catches my eye a little bit. 28 was the longest. Uh, finally I fell do, off I do a think- little bit. Right. I think people will jump off him a bit too quickly. Like, I, I think he's someone, there was some 33s about him earlier in the day here. And I thought that was big enough. Like, when you think about how he's been basically that number for the last two weeks, um, I, I thought that was actually okay. Uh, but yeah, I think, you know, you've got Santiago Tario, you've got David Law. I think there's there's plenty of guys, Jack Senior's got a good course for me. You've got guys here that are, you know, in the mix. I just, I just, couldn't get there but I, you know taking seam at the top I didn't feel the need to go lower again and even the guy that I've got up next on my card I thought was a little bit short in the betting but I was just really keen to bet yeah uh I guess we're almost yeah kind of in that range I guess the telltale sign to me of <laughs> of the event being the strength of field that it is man is I, I think this is the shortest number we've seen Guido at maybe all season. He's 33s in most spots. If, if you uh, took that, I would, you know, I've talked about interventions in the past and I would have spoken to our producer and, and got you probably uh, sectioned because that's poor, isn't it? That's bad. That's really bad. Like, I don't and, even and, know necessarily what they're based now. Is it just the fact that, like you say, like there's just no winners in the field that the fact that he's won in the past qualifies him to be short on 50 to one? Yeah, I guess. I mean, but, yeah, but you keep scrolling. It's it's really, I guess, you probably would, you know, end up ranking him higher than some of the guys below, you know, that you see here. But, but even, man, even on the challenge tour, he finished sixty seventh, miscut, miscut here. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> tough. And I guess the the best thing about it is when he's like a hundred like fifty to one, and I debate not betting it or like just let it go. That one would hurt. If he wins at 33s, I'm just rooting it on. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, I can live yeah. with that. So, Guido, you're welcome to win, even with us not being on. I'm okay with that happening. Um, see some interest in, in Santiago Tarioban here. Um, definitely can, can kind of get around that. David Law also comes in here, um, kind of right around the 30s. But then we jump into what I would say, I mean, we'll go into your next selection here. Probably the, the best form or 
I guess, a, a dominating win recently. But uh, who are you picking off from the top of the challenge tour? Yeah, so Todd Clements is, is coming off a win um, at the Irish Challenge. And it was a really dominant victory to your point. And when you actually look, he's top six in the field in terms of form, which we don't normally see from even the best form challenge guys. Like we've spoken about Jens Dansort, we've spoken about um, players like that in the past that have just had really good challenge tour form. It really, when you average it out, he isn't actually the best. Um, but he's right out there, Todd Clements. And I just think the fact that, you know, he's a win, a second and a seventh in his last five Challenge Tour starts. And he was 26th at the Kazoo Classic, which is what's bumping up his kind of current form. Um, you know, he's 17th for the 54-hole stage there. Maybe I'd have liked to have seen him win on a Challenge Tour and then finish 26th at the Kazoo rather than 26th and tailor into a win. Just if I was getting my own head a little bit about it. Um, but, you know, just the, the course form, he's got a third place finish here in the past as well. Uh, he was actually the 54-hole leader uh, of this event in 2019 as well when it was a Challenge Tour event. So I think everything kind of aligns to him having a good week. I mean, we, we talked about kind of 60, 70 to 1, hoping to be the number, but when these numbers came out, it, it, he wasn't getting anything like that. Yeah, it, it makes – it's just a tough pill to swallow because you come in excited Monday morning for, for that specific type of guy, you know, and when they are priced appropriately, you know, it's it's a little like – can you still go there? And I, I think so too. I, I think he definitely stands out. Uh, well, that makes you do like the course history there. Truthfully, I mean, my card is entirely full of guys that are not full-time challenge or full-time DP world tour players, realistically. Um, and, and that's kind of at the, the field from here on out, you know, that's realistically either super out of form DP world tour guys um, or challenge tour or spots into the field or everything. I'm, I'm happy though. Like this, this is the John Deere or, you know, the 3M of what the DP world tour has. And this would be saying, even though I, they're not actually taking like the top, are these, is this the top rankings of active challenge tour guys? Or is there a little carryover from last year? I'm not sure quite how they're doing it. Um, I would say it's probably current, given given your next selection and um, yeah, but I think I think just to kind of follow on to that point, what I do like about it is that this is a really good promise to see where these guys are. Like when you chuck in strong challenge tour players into a really strong DP World Tour, let's like, say they managed to get themselves into the field at Wentworth or Valderrama or something like that, it'd be no surprise that they struggled. Then you can't really get a gauge of where they are, but. If they steamroll that form into this event and carry it on, then you think you can probably get a good um, good idea of where they're playing. Yeah, it is. It's um, it's not current, like which is super odd to me of it. So, like category twenty four challenge tour members ranked in order of their CT category and rank. Ryan Evans tops that list. Ryan Evans is a hundred thirty first on the current challenge tour uh, rankings. So I don't know like why like Hundable's not in this event, but then you get Clements who is fourth, you know, in in the rankings right now um, on it. So it's definitely somewhat a step in the right direction, but they didn't hit the nail on the head because basically the the analogy would be having the top fifty or top twenty five corn fairy tour guys playing in John Deere, you know, and yeah. that should be an active type of thing. But I'm thankful we do get a stretch of at least some of these golfers because yeah, starting my card I, and I'm going to, I almost have kind of buckets of guys in which uh, I'm kind of betting this week. And, and for me, that first one is, is Tom McKibben. 
Um, I would say pound for pound, you know, right there with, with Clements and some of these other guys for best form um, on the DP World Tour. You know, McKibben, I believe he's only 19 years old, cracked the top 75 in the, the World Amateur Golf Rankings at his peak. Um, definitely somebody who's been on our radar, had to have been bet in the past we, on the show when he got sped starts. We picked him at 400 to 1 or something because yeah. I think it was in Ireland. It might even have been this event last year, Sky, like – we we mentioned him because I sort of mentioned the fact that he plays out of Roy McIlroy's old golf club. Yeah. Um, yep. And now he's actually made. I mean, before when we picked him, um, it was based on the fact that he had a lot of talent uh, and he hadn't actually even shown this kind of form. I don't think he'd even made professional starts really at that point. Yeah. Um, so this is definitely a step in the right direction now. Yeah, I think he was coming up the Walker Cup or the one of you know one of those type of amateur events where. Got it. But yeah, he's coming in for last four events, fifth, 12th, 14th, second, um, closed with a 66, I believe it was, um, in his final event. Um, he had to finish second. Um, and to your point, uh, you brought it up on Clements. I actually did kind of like this where those guys stayed here and didn't go chase the last week on the challenge tour. They've solidified basically where they stand and they're going to take this opportunity versus because we have the last week's challenge to a winner in the field, but I just kind of like that week off in between. McKibben has done that, showed the excellence from, like you mentioned. And then um, the other guy that I'm hopping on that I would say pound for pound, one of, if you look at kind of his talent from some of the amateur days where he really ripped it up um, in South Africa, did win on the Sunshine Tour earlier this year, and then has now shown, uh, I think it's four top 20s in his previous six starts, a fifth place out last week or two weeks ago at, at the Irish Challenge as well, is Dion Germisheis. Oh, I, I don't have any German. How do you say that? I thought it was Germisheis, but I, I have no idea. Oh, okay. The Germ. The Germ makes it. The Germisheis. Um, okay. But yeah, he's got he's got a decent pedigree building into this year he has been a little bit longer on the circuit compared to like mckibben um and this really has been the first year that he has shown that that breakthrough like he had some decent like 17 18 if you saw him coming out when he was younger he would kind of fall in line with some of the south african prodigies that we have seen uh, from the amateur to rankings it's just taken him a few years to cut his teeth and um, now showing success consistency um, you know, consistently on the, the challenge tour, especially the last few weeks after winning on the Sunshine Tour. So he's 66s. Um, those to me are kind of the one, two of the challenge tour guys um, that get a little bit more of a discount on that number compared to Clements. Yeah, I thought I thought Tommy Kim was going to be close to me. John Murphy was another one that I thought Correct. would be interesting. Yeah. Um, you know, they've all got those kind of Irish links and stuff like that. So that, there's that. And then, but Gomeshaw, I kind of, or I think that's how you say his name. It was someone that I thought would come up in your radar because one of the things that he's done is, like you say, to your point, he's really taken that step up. Like he's won in Africa earlier this season. When you look at, when you go down, and what I love to see in people's OWGR rankings is like the top 10 of his best finishes are littered with 2022, 2021, 2020. Like everything is just a real big progression. Win third, fifth, third, eighth, seventh, sixth, fifth. Like they're all at the Challenge Tour level, all at the South African um, Sunshine Tour level. Like, does that mean that we should be backing him in big DP World Tour events? No, but this isn't one. This is effectively an extended event of what he's been playing um, in recent weeks. And when you look at the, when the Sunshine Tour event that he won, you beat Louis Diego, beat Yak Blau, 
you know, these are two guys that we've seen recently sort of contend in DP World Tour events. So to me, I, I think he's got the pedigree to do well. Yeah, yeah, I really um, was a big fan of it. Um, so, yeah, getting that kind of number to me, happy to go there. And, again, this is really – like it just gets dicey. I, I have two other selections under 100 to 1. Um, and, really, you mentioned tour tips kind of aggregating some of the form um, and just kind of giving it a ranking. It's two guys that have some interesting history at the course combined with flashes of recent form. And, and that's really the combination – get here with, with first off Matthew Baldwin. Um, so Matthew Baldwin comes in uh, for like 15th place last week at the Kazoo Open, just a steady week, uh, improved his, his finishing position each and every round. Um, and he kind of was on the radar not that long ago after finishing 10th um, on the Challenge Tour where he was second, I guess he was fourth coming into the, the final round and then um, you know ended up finishing 20th at the Kazoo Classic. Just a decent stretch of form. Um, that we see out of him, uh, his best finish would have came in 2019 um, at this course. Jack Senior had beat him in a playoff that year. Um, so I just think Baldwin, somebody that re- really is just never on my, my radar, but when you think about a price-history kind of combination in this type of field, it really, it really I think, is a, is a sneaky combo for him. Yeah, I, I always kind of like Baldwin. I, I prefer him in those links events that we've just had where I thought he could have flashed. And I think people have been chasing him over the last two or three weeks. Not, not chasing him is the wrong word, but taking a chance in the past couple of weeks, uh, hoping that he could um, kind of come back to form. And he's a guy that really is on the periphery, right? Like he is the definition of a limbo player on these two tours. Um, whereas your your next guy is probably more a solidified challenge tour player who hasn't maybe made the step up yet, I think it's fair to say. Yeah, yeah, and that's Ben Stowe. Um, ben Stowe, when you you kind of aggregate the entire history of, of what has been here, you know, he's got a 14th, 14th, 31st, and 11th by a, like, kind of strokes gain rating that does average him out to be in the top three, if not the first one, kind of in that, that history. And then you look at, and this is just kind of almost, you know, what, what I did with wearing last week where you kind of see a little bit of flashes here, a little bit of flashes there. Um, he did that kind of similar. You see, so last week for Ben Stowe, what, 13th place finish um, at the Challenge Tour. Opens with a 67, which I believe was 65 was the round of the day, so he's fifth. And then he closes with a 66, okay? So that's like second best round of the day that week. So then the week before, he had played in the DP World Tour event. Opens with a 64, second after round one, 13th after round two. Had a really bad round, four bounces, or round three, Bounces back with a 68 on Sunday, finishes 30th. If you looked at the Kazoo Classic the week before that, 10th after the opening round. So, like, a, a three-week stretch combining that with kind of the history of what he has done here and the number. I think he opened as long as 150s this morning on DraftKings, and it was slashed, like, immediately. So this is what I've noticed with DraftKings. we talked about this a couple times. So they open – whenever they get hammered on somebody on open, they over-adjust. So yeah. before going on the show, he was 30-1. to one there like he's gonna bounce back and settle into the 60 70 range i'm sure 80s was the longest i saw for ben stowe but that that just mini flashes here and there for me sets up quite well for him to take he's, he's known to take it deep i think he had when he won the q school was that the event where we, we talked about him recently where they played at that q school where he went like bananas at that event he has an ability to go low in him so um yeah i'm a fan of ben stowe 
Yeah, and I think to to that point, like he shot a 65 final round to win when he won on the Challenge Tour in Prague. He's finished top 10 in the British Masters. Like he he is aware of this level, like top 14 in the Irish Open. When you look at 2020, he had two really decent finishes. And it's weird, like in, in the Irish Open, he shot 67, 66 over the weekend and actually struggled in rounds one and two, which is something you wouldn't necessarily, you know, put together with someone that was uh, new to the tour. So it's it's a tough one. I feel like he's been around long enough that, we kind of know what level he is. Um, I think that his finishes recently are probably peak finishes on, on the DP World Tour, potentially uh, the kind of 30th or 41st where he plays well for a couple of rounds, which to me all points to a kind of like first round leader bet. I think if you're betting uh, Ben yeah. Stowe, I would probably bet him to, to lead after round one as well, uh, just because to your point, he can go low. Um, and, you know, he has been playing well. Like he's, if you actually look at his results, just from a timeline point of view, he's 41st, 30th, 13th. He's trending better every week. So, um, and two of those first two were both on the DB World Tour. So, yes, I think that the, the real struggle for me was like I saw him at like 50, 60 to 1, and he's ranked like outside the top 1,300 players in the world. And it's like, yeah, that's when you start to think, are we like, it's not like John McKibben, uh, Tom McKibben, sorry, that is working his way up or Todd Clements has recently won. Like, this is a guy that's been established and hasn't quite kicked on so it depends what you think of that course form like if you really like the, i think he's a great DraftKings player like, i think he's a great top 20 great DraftKings player i just wonder worry about the winning upside yeah yeah man it's uh but it's one of those weeks know, where i think i think he like can he win yeah. yeah like i think to, to all of that that sounds like i'm completely shitting on the pick like i'm not like he is one on the challenge tour and if I stick to my guns, this is effectively a glorified challenge tour event, then he should be able to win. It just feels like it's he has a hard enough time at a level winning to, to kind of put me off it. Yeah. Yeah. I we and we probably could say that almost about everybody, you know, yeah. in some sense. When we're this deep, more this deep here. Um, I believe and I'm gonna let you go into pronunciations for Yeah, mate, I, was, I was hoping not. Um Yeah. Um you, well uh, you can probably sound that out pretty easily. Let's let's hit it because he's going to be next on the odds boards. Yeah, let's go with Gun- Goodmander Christiansen. I think nice. he's. I think Christiansen's fine. I'm not sure about Goodmander. Like that sounds a little bit like something out of Lord of the Rings. But um, Christiansen is. He's from Iceland. He's going to be the first Icelandic winner um, on the DP World Tour, which would be a huge. It'd be like Adrian Morong being the first pole to win on the the DP World Tour. Um, but this is a guy. He's won. Three times on Nordic Golf League in 2019. Uh, he finished third on uh, in his last start at the Finnish Challenge, which is actually his best ever finish um, according to OWGR. So that he's got that going for him. He did finish six shots adrift of Vilton Meyer, who, by the way, I, I'm very happy to say I've never heard of. Like, I've got no problem saying that I, I hadn't heard of him. Wait, so I woke up to messages this morning. No surprise after Ju Young Kim won yesterday. Jude was sending me DMs about the Meyer guy on the challenge tour that one. I was like, of course, you know, Jude's just dialed yeah. in all the time. Yeah, like I love that. Like, I love that about Jude. Like if he knows someone, that's great. Uh, I do not have the time to know who Velton Meyer is uh, until I need to, uh, which is probably too late, right? Like that's why he's probably ahead of the game. Um, but you know, back to Christensen, like he's been 36th from third his last two starts, the 36th coming at the Irish challenge. Um, and he's played this golf course before and played well. Like he finished third on his golf course. And I just think that, uh, sorry, fifth it was on his yeah. golf course, but he was the 36 hole leader 
Uh, no, he wasn't. He was second in the last 36 holes. Um, but he was, <laughs> he's been in contention at his golf course, is, is the short of it. Uh, so Goodman doing Christensen, he's been there, been around the golf course, uh, played well, and is in decent form. So I thought the 150 to 1 that he was uh, was decent enough. It's just one of those weeks where I just have no faith in anyone. Um, so if you're going to kind of, I mean, like you, I just said about Ben Stowe, like, like you said, like, if I have those doubts about Ben Stowe, it's because I have them about everyone. Like the 10 to one favorite doesn't win ever, yeah. which is yeah. the concern. Yeah. Um, no, I, I mean, if you have a pulse and you kind of make a reasoning down here, I think, you know, you could probably find yourself with a betting card, like what I have um, and, and really, you know, just talk yourself into in some of the places, you know, with these guys, you can get, you know, what, 25 30 to one uh, on your guy there with with a top six each way you know like that that is the enticing part uh, when you look at six you have eight winners of an event in this field let alone you know you know guys that are looking for places here so um to me if i'm walking away with one bet this week when i was digging into to the research time I think this is the stand standalone best bet on the board. And I'm surprised I haven't heard anybody else in early kind of conversations talking about Barclay Brown. Um, so Barclay Brown, you're, you're going to know him, or at least if you, if you watch the show, you, you watch the open championship. He was the amateur who was in the mix through 36 holes after opening round. Um, he was in fourth place. Um, right, I believe so. I think he opened with a fifth place, opened yeah. with a 68, and then he shot a 70 in round two. Um, so he was 12 looking into the weekend. Now, again, he didn't end up having a really good weekend, didn't have a uh, you know, didn't end up being the, the low amateur, Philippe Bocelli did, who's back in the field this week. Um, but what, what intrigued me, so I guess Barclay Brown goes to Stanford. Um, you know, he's probably like a top 100. NCAA golfer. I think he's like 98 by Sagarin's rankings uh, for the year. But to get into the Open Championship, he had to open qualify, advances winner of his Open qualifier, Barclay Brown. So he does that, parlays that to the Open Championship where he makes the cut. And, I mean, that's a heck of a performance, you know, in your first major like that. Great for him. So he shows up last week to his first DP World Tour event, opens with a 79, almost dead last, as bad as it gets. And then this is when the magic happened. He produces back-to-back top five tee-to-green rounds on Friday and Saturday, shooting the second-best round of the day with a 67 on Friday. And then he lost two strokes on the greens while he was dominating tee-to-green on Saturday where he shot a 71. Then he goes back and he shoots a 77 on Sunday. You know, so – if I'm looking for somebody who showed life against the best of the best in the world, 36 holes, and then, you know, you're really making your first kind of event you're feeling things out last week. And to show the upside to me, like he did there again, 200 to one for somebody who has that kind of show showing it. And maybe he's not like top of the wagger. He's not like the best of the best when it comes to amateur rankings, but man, I, I think there's a lot to love about those Barclay Brown like flashes and for me, like that is more than enough to take a shot on the, I guess, the 36th best amateur in the ranking. Because he had, like, he was second, you know, at the, the Pac 12 championships um, there. He won an event in Wyoming earlier this year. Like, it was a decent year for him. 
Um, he was on the Walker Cup. Like he, he has – this was 21 when he had those finishes. wasn't his better, best of the year in 22. But it can play, and I think there's a lot in that upside there. Yeah, I think he's one of those ones where, again, it feels a little bit um, – is it – you know, recency bias. Like, is it going to be what's going to happen with Felipe Rochelli that there was the uh, missed cut? But like, to your point, like fourth and fifth, like two top five rounds tee to green is huge, right? And you can just see very easily where he's lost those strokes and that can be very, you know, rectified very quickly. So unlike Shelley, who was coming into the week just off of that kind of decent performance at the Open, we didn't know what he was going to do. Like Brown has showed something last week and, you know, two top five rounds of tee to green in, in that field was, you know, was pretty strong in an event that, was difficult enough like so I, i'm pretty impressed with that um yeah i like it I, th- I think it's good i think it's one of those ones that you could definitely talk me into um i actually think your next pick is a little bit more intriguing actually considering the number but i do like barclay brown's reasoning yeah and it's just digging into because like i've always so this has really been the, the nice thing um and again we we, we talk about tour tips often uh, but you know Matt SGT to green tweets the top 20 round by round, but you, you don't see some of those, those things in the numbers very often, unless you're parsing through day by day to see really, and, and to know it came from T to green side of it, you know, for, for Barkley, I think there's just a lot two hundreds for, for a guy that is just so unknown and had a really good one year at Stanford. He's at Stanford. Like he clearly is talented. Um, so he's one. But then we mix in, and again, this is the I'll loop in the next two guys somewhat together as we get kind of in this range. But you know, it's really coming down to last week's kind of flashes for David Dixon, first one. So David Dixon, I was shocked to see him uh, 400 to one. Yeah, 400, just because of the field they, they they cut everybody else. The fact that you know somebody who finishes inside the top five last week didn't get cut you know, below this is a little odd to me. It's, I mean, telling that, you know, he, he has not put together realistically much at all in his career. And he is not kind of the youngest of the bunch. What he's 45 years old, had a fifth on the challenge tour. Um, only other time inside the top 60 of an event since February. Um, but he had done that at the Kazoo Open in the past too, where he finished top five or top 10 and then earned it a spot the next week, never took anything of it. But what I love is if you look at those rounds that he produced over the weekend, he kind of was somebody who fell off the leaderboard a little bit to me. And then he comes out here and he shoots minus two on Saturday, minus four on Sunday, really good tee to green, best tee to green on Sunday, fourth with the irons, ninth tee to green on Saturday. Realistically, he had, I think, the second best weekend or or inside the top five weekends, and he only gained a stroke on the greens when he did that. So, you know, I kind of look at par breakers too. How many birdies did you have? He was right up there with some of the best guys uh, in the week. Um, So I think 400 to one, like you said, a coffee or two on that, Tom, and it get a little sweaty. I mean, like as well, when you look at the fact, so you, you talked about that fifth place finish uh, on the challenge tour. So he's been fifth and third bookend results uh, either side of five missed cuts, right? But you look at the Hero Open, he missed the cut basically on the number, uh, you know, the start before. The, the Kazoo Classic missed it by a decent amount. Then Uran Bank Open challenge tour just misses the cut. Um, like he he's probably been close and and to your point like the the ball striking uh leading that is massive right like the, the fact that it's not just 
you know, we see some of these guys flash and they gain like 10 strokes on the green and you just think, okay, well, it's just, it's not going to happen again. And then you go back to last year, he was inside the top 25 after day one. Like he shot a 68 and was 24th after day one, shot a 73 in round two and missed the cut. But he was, he was 69th. So, you know, he's only just missed the cut. Um, and, you know, I think just the confidence of playing well last week, that frees you up, gets you another start. His problem is going to have been that he just doesn't get starts. He never gets into a rhythm, doesn't, you know, has been around, you know, plenty long enough to, like we say, with Ben Stowe and things like that. We know what they are. Are they going to win? Probably not. But for the number that he is, like, this is the point, I think, with someone like David Dixon. Like, he's 622nd in in the world, and he is 400 to 1. Whereas, like, some of the other guys are, you know, way past that and, you know, are are well out of the top 1,000. So it, it's tough. I mean, you have to go back to, like, 2008 for the last time he won any event of any real stature, right? But... It's tough. I mean, I, I don't know. Like, you look at some of his best finishes, like third at the World's Open um, and third last week because of the Open, like both, I think, guess on the same golf course. But Portugal Masters, he played well at. Like, he's got a top 30 in the Open Championship. Like, this is a guy that is good enough to, to play well. It just seems to have not happened for him consistently. I mean, it's yeah. just, I don't think he's going to be the guy that kind of breaks through and suddenly has a really good career in his 40s, like a Richard Bland, who, by the way, is in this field, which I thought was a little bit odd um but yeah i mean that was a good segue to kind of a point i wanted to make earlier but it, he seems to be I, I just thought the number was too big I, I didn't understand how like i didn't think his was adjusted to his recent form which was on the dp world tour i didn't think christensen's challenge tour and finish at the course had been adjusted for i hadn't really looked at barkley brown i've got to be completely honest so now when you show me those t3 numbers like, i don't think he's been adjusted for like all of a sudden, I think there's just been a couple of players that have been missed, and in a field like this, that's kind of what you've got to look for. Yeah, hundred percent agree. Um, and and another one that, and again, you don't really catch these type of things unless you're, you're dialed in or checking round by round or kind of really looking uh, into the numbers. And Bobby Bay, um, or I guess what I guess he's classified or his name Zhang Zhang Bay. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, B-A-I spelling the last name. So if you remember, I believe there was a week. We we talked about him extensively on the show. After yep. he, like Monday, he Monday qualified on the Corn Ferry Tour, then was like first round leader that next week. And he ended up withdrawing from the event. Um, so 24 years old, has spent what the last three years basically on the Corn Ferry Tour last year, um, had uh, two top 20 finishes, I believe it was, I guess two top 15 finishes of the Port Ferry Tour, made the cut at the Barbasol, uh, and then basically just uh, has fallen off the face of the world uh, from a sense of consistent finishes. Had no, I guess I guess he lost his Corn Ferry Tour status, is basically yeah. what it ended up being. And he could go play on the Challenge Tour. Um, he made a cut at the Joe Burke Open, and he really, outside of that, has not finished inside the top 20 in any events this calendar year. Finishes 35th last week. I believe he was 11th in approach. And then so you go digging into his numbers. And, and I sorted by uh, par breakers. So par breakers here. Uh, Shinkwin. Shinkwin had so many birdies last week. Ridiculous. He literally barely made a par. Yep. So David Dixon was second. Okay. Lucas Biergaard was third. I really wanted him to get in the field. It was a withdrawal this morning when they adjusted. 
but then Bobby Bay in fourth. How does somebody like that end up finishing 35th, but then fourth for, you know, a birdies on the week? Like it just did not make any sense for me when you look at that. And then you see his rounds that he had. He did not break 70 once. 75, 70, 72, 70 opens on the first round he had two five birdies and an eagle and he shot 75 he had a double he had the tom kim quadruple and then he mixed in five other bogeys on that round on on saturday two doubles and he still shoots 72 and if you look at his numbers again led by the irons 11th place in the irons um you know it's kind of telling i'd imagine he lost it like a, a ball or two off the tee or really put himself in some bad spots and that's where it came from um i believe he's a little bit longer than average i mean he's young he's talented he won twice in china in 2019 had an okay amateur career like he's been somebody who's been fringe talked about when he, he kind of gets on the corn ferry and like we talked about with uh, Aman Gupta earlier um, a few weeks ago when he kind of flashed Corn Ferry Tour finishes compared to this field is like a big deal like to me that's yeah. a huge deal if you ever get somebody popping over um, so I, I just you know knowing he had done that and it's not this year his golf has fallen off but 500 to 1 for some of those flashes on which we saw last week for realistically his best finish of the year and knowing what he has kind of in the tank I'm definitely taking that shot and I think I think what you made is a really good point there and something that this the two goals I'm going to sort now are not playing, they're not picked or anything like that. But just for future reference recently, like in the next couple of events, like talking about just round by round data, right? Like Eddie Pepperell was 39th last week in T to Green, but he was 17th on day one, fourth on day three, and he was 101st in T to Green on day two, but only by losing just less than a, it was like 0.7. Uh, T to green. Then in the final day, he lost nearly three strokes T to green. Marcus Hellekilda was fourth on day one T to green, tenth on day two, eighteenth on day three, and then seventieth on day four. He lost nearly eight strokes T to green, which has to be a couple of water balls, has to be, you know, some really bad breaks. Like to me, like looking at those individual rounds, like you have Barkley Brown, like they can change everything. And you know, I I've always been very guilty of just like. I've been pretty good at the, the hidden form in terms of round by round like data in current form, but just recently it's been like, okay, who's who's flashed with their irons at some point? Who's flashed T screen at some point? Because it doesn't have to be four rounds for it to really click for a player. Like Stephen Brown gained over four strokes T to green on day one last week and is just missing the cut all the time. Like he's a player I was pretty high on for a decent period of time. Um, he's got a top five finish in this golf course. I don't necessarily believe that Stephen Brown can win, but what I do believe is that if Stephen Brown does make the weekend, that anything can happen with a player of that ability. So I think you've got to look at that and and what you've kind of pointed to of those players like Barkley Brown, like uh, Stephen Brown there. And then in the future, like when you see Pepperell and Helle Kilder are 39th and 40th tee to green and think they've gone off the boil from their previous two starts, like, no, they have, they were really good for two or three days and probably just lost a ball or two. Yeah, if you speak, if you want to have the epitome of who that was, tied for fourth last week in par breakers with uh, Bobby Bay was Thorbjorn Olsson. I was like, okay, that doesn't make any sense. He went 72, 69, 71, and he shot an 82 on Sunday. Um, he had mixed in uh, a nine, uh, followed up. He had a stretch of golf, I guess, his first four holes. So let me get off the front. I don't remember. Um, 
it would have been one, five, seven. He was nine over through four holes stretch. That's impressive. You know, I can respect that. Um, so that's my kind of golf right there. Talking of a fellow well, Dane, did you know that J.B. Hansen lost nearly 13 strokes to T.C. Green last week? I mean, like, it's... I don't even know how you do that as a player of his level. No, I wish I wish it was easier to go back through the shot-by-shot data. Like, you can't yeah. you can go find it anywhere. You know, once it's cleaned off about 365, you can't access that link anymore. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just something that... Uh, it's just wild times out here. I mean, that's that's one of the eight previous winners. You know, our guy that we hit together last year. And I mean, what he hasn't finished inside the top seventy or fifty of an event, you know, in four months. Like it is ripe for the opportunity for guys at two hundred plus one to one this week to win. Like we're, we might be, you know, just filling up the board. But I'm going to be getting a little bit deeper. Last week we got Paul Waring just out of the places. So I'm definitely going top ten, top twenty on, on these deeper guys here, yeah. just because I, I really think you know anything can happen. You also have the mixed setting of the event throws a little bit. You know, it's just a different style. Only thirty five guys get it to Sunday. If you get to Sunday, you, you're there for a top twenty. You know, so um, I, I'm I'm pretty excited for the event after going through because I just think these type of ones are the best for those that are digging into the numbers and maybe find something like that and tell a story. Yeah, like, I, I completely agree with that. Like this is this is the best event for probably bookmakers who are relying on lazy betters. They're just looking for the guy that's finished fifth, sixth, and seventh for reason. Like I have for kind of seen, right? Like it's exactly that. Like he's had two good starts, he's hit the ball well. Let's just back him. Like that's what they want. They want people to go all in on someone like that at the top of the market. Jordan Smith is a great course form and current stuff. Like, let's just get on those. And you're not having to worry about these kind of and then they price a bend slow down because people are latching onto the course form. Uh, but they, but because people haven't got the course form with Barkley Brown, with David Dixon, with Bobby Bay, like those don't get picked up. You know, it, it does show how much influence course form has. Like Baldwin and Stowe are 75 and 80 to one. And Germanshaw is just only shorter than them and, and playing a lot better. And, um, you know, the three that you've mentioned at the tail end there have all played decent stuff in recent weeks, uh, just like round by round, but maybe just missed because people just, they don't need to worry about the liability on those golfers. Yep. Yep. 100%. So hopefully this can be a week where we, we do see that breakthrough for us after living around the top of the leaderboard. So, Tom, let's go back through your card one more time. Yeah, so for me, I've got Connor Seam, who is 21 to 1, I think, uh, over there, 22 to 1 over here. Uh, Todd Clements, who's 40 to 1, 30 to 1, whatever it is. It's not a great number, uh, not too excited. And Goodmunder, Christiansen, uh, 150 to 1. Uh, really, really like that number. Um, I, I still don't know what to do with John Catlin, I've got to be honest. I, I think it's probably worth if you're a John Catlin fan the betting I think is, is the, probably the the single line there um I, I couldn't put you off fair 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 I'm going with Tom McKibben 55 to 1 Dion Germanheitz 66 to 1 Matthew Baldwin 75 to 1 Ben Stowe 80 to 1 Barclay Brown 200 to 1 definitely getting the top 10 top 20 with the each way two. David Dixon 40 to one, all the way ladder to 20. And then Bobby Bay, 500 to one. Get the top 20 there with those guys. Definitely have some long shots for the week. Excited for it. And we turn a page. We have, um, again, getting closer to Wentworth, getting closer to some of the biggest events that we have in the DP World Tour season. So excited for you guys to keep up the support and listening. And we'll catch you next week.